And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. This is Tom Laurie, and my guest today is Meetup.com CEO David Siegel. David has been Meetup CEO for nearly two years. David is also an adjunct professor at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs, where he teaches entrepreneurial, organizational, and strategic management. Today, we're going to talk about community and today's epidemic of loneliness, and it's not just COVID-related. David, welcome to the Mentors Radio, and let's get started by telling everybody what is meetup.com? I, th- I think many of us in the audience will know it, but some won't. Tell us what it is and what it does. Absolutely. And thank you, Tom, for having me on. It's uh, really exciting to be uh, on the mentor team. Um, Meetup has been around for 18 years now. So it's in its later teenage years. And having an 18-year-old, I know what that's all like, all about myself. Meetup is the largest platform for people who want to create groups, who want to join groups, and who want to attend events. So, for example, if someone loves hiking, then they can attend a hiking group in any of 190 countries, in 2,000 different cities, um, any of our 15,000 events, which we have every single day all around the world. If someone loves learning technology, they could become part of a tech group to learn Java and attend events around uh, areas of their passions and interests. If someone is uh, dealing with gender identity issues and wants to join one of our thousands of support groups, same thing. So we have 50 million members who attend meetup events, and we have about 330,000 people who organize meetup events, and we help to bring people to the events that they're passionate about. And that's what we do. So this is an online platform, and I can go and create my own meetup group. I can then invite people to that group. I can list it under some category. I mean, that's how I understand how this works. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have um, a lot of people use our apps, and quite a number of people also use our website. Um, over 50 million members, around half use mobile, and actually more than half use mobile, and uh, less than half use desktop. And the whole idea is it's about kind of building connections between people and meeting together in real life, in person, which has made things more interesting, shall we say, in times of uh, COVID and this pandemic, which I'm sure we'll spend some time talking about. But it's the power of what happens when people get together. And what we say is we use technology to get people off of technology so that people who are passionate, people who just moved to a new city and they've never been in that city before and they love playing soccer uh, or football if if it's in Europe, and they want to find a football game to start playing in, they can go into Meetup and find that football game. If they have passion for kayaking, if they have passion for learning a technology or learning a new language, they could find people in their cities and build relationships with those people and attend events and learn from each other through using our Meetup technology. And anyone could go to any event, um, and 95% of events are, are free for people. 
And how many countries did you say that you operated in? <laughs> so we're in pretty much every single country in the world, aside from North Korea and, uh, and Iran. Other than that, we're in 190 different countries around the world. And it's, it's always exciting to me when I get you know, a letter from someone in Israel or in Pakistan or, or from wherever telling me about how much kind of meetup has meant for them in terms of, you know, people meet their spouses through meetup or people meet their business partners through meetup or people find jobs through meetup. And uh, it's always an incredible source of, of, of pride for us and, and our organization of how we've been able to help people both personally and professionally. So it's uh, and it's easy if you want to create your own group. Uh, you just go online and create a group. I imagine from a mechanic standpoint, it's pretty easy to do. Oh, it's incredibly easy. So you could be in uh, the great city of Chicago and be a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And, of course, Chicago is filled with, with many Bears fans and say, I need to find all the other Green Bay Packers fans in my city. I'm going to create a group for Green Bay Packer fans. And we're going to watch all the Green Bay Packer games together so that all the Bears fans aren't going to, you know, drown us out. And you create a group. And then what we do at Meetup is we then have this intelligent software that we've developed internally in these algorithms to help to figure out who we should market to to help you to find new members of your group. So if you're new to a city and you're LGBTQ and you... Um, came from Scotland and are now in Berlin and love technology, we're able to then cater our marketing emails to the types of people who would be most interested in joining your group and then have a disproportionately higher likelihood of joining. So a colleague of mine, actually we just hired a new director of product and she runs a product group and her product group only had one or two people and then she joined Meetup and now she has about 50 females in product group um, so that she could build relationships with all these kind of great women who are in product management roles in her city. So it's very easy to start groups, absolutely. Well, I'm curious, with all of the uh, protests and things that are going on around the country, do protesters use Meetup at all? Are you aware of that, or do you prevent that? Yeah. (laughs) What? We saw something fascinating happen on our platform after the tragic death of, of George Floyd, and we saw about 50 to 100 meetup groups get started and it was called Jacksonville Black Lives Matter, Kansas City Black Lives Matter. And then we started seeing Toronto Black Lives Matter and some different cities in, 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 in Europe even Black Lives Matter. And we saw kind of over a hundred groups around racial equality kind of spring up in our ecosystem. And it's really interesting because in certain ways our data is a leading metric of what kind of how big a movement can start and we're at the forefront of many different movements that have started from resist movements and many different movements that started actually get their start on Meetup. And uh, it was so amazing that we then made the decision that anyone who wants to organize a Meetup group dedicated to racial equality and, and social justice can do so for free on our platform in any country around the world. And we now have multiple hundred groups around, around the country in different cities that are all focused on racial equality. And it's, it's beautiful seeing how we can help to support know that um that focus well we're gonna have to go to break and when we come back i want to talk about uh, meetup and what's happened to meetup with uh, covid and people not being able to meet up we're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor meetup.com ceo david siegel and we're talking about community and today's epidemic of loneliness this is tom laurie and you're listening to the mentors radio show 
And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with today's guest mentor, Meetup.com CEO, David Siegel. David also teaches entrepreneurial, organizational, and strategic management at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs. Remember, you can listen to this show or any previous show via podcast or on iTunes. Tune in, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. You can go to TheMentorsRadio.com and subscribe. So this has been a fast-growing business from when you started 18 years ago. Uh, I want to go back to one thing, though. Meetup got started in a very unusual time. Tell us a little bit about what was the catalyst for it uh, getting started. Absolutely, Tom. So right after 9-11, our founder, Scott Heifeman, walked out of his apartment room and saw that on his, the floor of his building, there were all these people that were kind of standing outside of their apartments hanging around in the lobby, and he had never really seen most of those people beforehand. And he, he realized that the tragedy of 9-11 caused tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people around the world to just have this deep need community, this feeling of, like, displacement and a need to connect with other people. And he started meeting all these neighbors that he had never met beforehand, and he basically said and said to himself, it shouldn't take a tragedy to build community. How can I help people who are searching for community where loneliness is such an epidemic that exists in society? And how can we create a platform to help to build community for hundreds of millions of people around the world? And that's where Meetup got its start. It was really in the ashes of 9-11 and realizing how people's communities are unfortunately so much weaker and the social bonds are so much weaker than they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Tell us a little bit more about the uh, epidemic or pandemic, I think, of loneliness. It crosses all countries. W- where does that come from? What are you learning about it? Sure. So we did a recent study actually with a large insurance company. And 46% of people, this is pre-pandemic, 46% of people regularly feel lonely, which is just terrifying. And if you look at age cohorts, one of the 46%... People who are millennials, kind of our youngest generation of people, and Gen Z, 62% of those individuals feel lonely. 25% of people said they don't even have one trusted confidant in the entire world. Not one. That they could just talk to honestly and openly. 25% of people. And 89% of people in the last conversation was interrupted in some way by social media. And I think what we're seeing here is the world that used to exist where there were bowling leagues and PTA groups and church going at a much higher rate than there is today has evaporated in many ways. And the traditional vehicles for people to build community is much less strong. And people look at their friends as people who click a button, a friend button on social media, and that's kind of in many ways replaced real relationships. And the reality is, of course, it hasn't replaced real relationships. And people feel lonelier than ever. And frankly, social media only increases people's feelings of loneliness. When they look around, they see everyone jumping around for joy all the time on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever else people want to post that may be real or may even be fabricated. So our job at Meetup is how can we end the loneliness epidemic that exists, which in many ways is frankly even more dangerous than COVID. Um, One of the greatest sources of fear of loneliness is suicide. And the world continues to see those numbers increase, especially among young people. So we see our, our role at Meetup 
as an incredibly noble cause to try to connect people with each other, to keep people to stay connected with each other, and people to find passion in similar areas that they found passions about so they can no longer ever be lonely again. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and today we're talking with Meetup.com CEO David Siegel. So loneliness, you gave us some numbers. We know suicide's up. We know that the mental health issues are starting to increase the number of people visiting emergency rooms. I have a daughter-in-law who's a psychologist uh, in an emergency room out here, and I know that from a firsthand knowledge. But in trying to change that, your business model was built on people meeting up, going to meetings. What's happened? How have you had to adapt? What, is, what has Meetup done to change to further their mission? Specifically around, around COVID? Yes. Yeah. So for our first 18 years, we were against online Meetup events. Some people would have them. We would discourage it. And if and a group was online only, we would not allow them to be a group on Meetup. And we always said we're all about in-person and we're all about connecting in real time. So we had 18 years worth and tens of millions of events, and they were all in person. And that's where deep relationships happen. And we were at kind of a crossroads for our company. As soon as COVID hit in mid-March, really, and then started growing you know, throughout March, um, we looked ourselves very quickly in the mirror, and we said, the number one priority is not in-person connecting. The number one priority is connecting with other humans and staying safe. We need to get all hands on deck to make a platform that has never been meant to be able to have, have connections through online and through Zoom and through Skype and through other kind of technology vehicles to be able to work seamlessly on any platform. Within a week, we had all of our engineers get together, figure out how we could fix it, how we could address this critical need, because in many ways, community is even more important during covid than it was prior to COVID. So we completely changed our philosophy around online events, and it's been eye-opening for us, eye-opening, and, and I'm happy to share why. Um, but what's happened is that we now have had, in the last four months, over a million online events have happened on Meetup, but we had zero in our first 18 years. We hear from people constantly that they had an event, and they used to only get three people, five people, 15 people, 30 people, whatever it is, 50 people in from their city. Now they're hosting an online event, and they're getting people from 20 different countries around the world. And now there are people in Kuala Lumpur and in Pakistan and Switzerland who are able to access these incredible meetup events and meetup experiences anywhere around the world. So what we're realizing is that for people who may be handicapped, for people who are in more remote locations that didn't necessarily have a lot of meetup events, for people that want to attend events in other cities, Online events is like a dream come true for them because now we have in-person events in the cities where it's safe to gather together in person, especially outdoor events, particularly now. Outdoor events are kind of booming for us. And then we have online events for those who want to, want to be online. And it's interesting. It's right now 50-50 or so, where about, but it depends on the country. So, for example, in Brazil, 95% of our events are online, whereas in South Korea, 95% of the events are in person and very much depends on kind of the state of COVID in a particular country or city. And what are your uh, challenges in doing it? What have been the, I mean, first of all, how many people do you have in your employee? Where are they yeah, located? You talked about all the, all the engineers getting together, then one location, how did they do that? And what challenges are you seeing now? 
Yeah, so they got together remotely because we actually had an individual who got COVID the first week in March, so very early, and uh, we've been remote since the first week in March. So when we got together through Zoom, uh, we have about 100 employees in our company, and our employees are just so incredibly dedicated to our mission and really see their, many of them, their lot in life to figure out how to improve the loneliness epidemic that we've been talking about, a built community for people around the world. So we have, of our 100 employees, about half, a little over half, are engineers and product and design and our product teams. And that's the majority of our, of our employees um, being the tech company that we're at. We also happen to have a large group of data scientists and people focused on machine learning um, to help us create algorithms to help to, as I said, match people who have certain interests to the right events and to find the right events for them. Any challenges starting to surface? Any other new challenges or new worries oh, that yeah. you have? Being a remote workforce in a company that's fully dedicated to community is not easy because we believe so deeply in community and so deeply about getting together in person. You know, the question is, how do you build community as a CEO like I am for your employee population during COVID? We're going to have to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about that when we come back. We'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Meetup CEO, David Siegel. We're talking about community and today's epidemic of loneliness. Remember, you can take the Mentors Radio Show with you anywhere by subscribing to our podcast at thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with today's guest mentor, Meetup.com CEO, David Siegel. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio Network in California and Texas and online anytime at TheMentorsRadio.com or on any podcast platform, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. So, David, when we were talking in the last segment, just finishing up, we're talking about the new challenges you have. You've got this uh, mission for community and people getting together, and now you've got this group of 100 people that are having to stay at home. Let's uh, continue with what you've been doing. Yeah, I mean, how do you lead a company during COVID? How do you build community during COVID if you're a leader or you're a manager? So here's a a few practical things that we've been doing that may be worthwhile for others to uh, consider. So the first is, um, I'm a big manage-by-walking-around type person. I love walking around an office and checking in on people, and I'm sure, as you know, that's an important management principle to, uh, to do. But you can't manage by walking around during Zoom. It's impossible. So I've created a significant number of 15-minute skip-level meetings where I'm doing 15 minutes every six weeks, every eight weeks, every 10 weeks, with individual contributors who normally I would just be able to tap on the shoulder and check in and see how they're doing. Well, now I've created a mechanism to be able to do a tap on the shoulder by just scheduling dozens and dozens of 15 minutes just check-in meetings with, with key people that I would normally be able to just bump into. That's number one. Uh, number two that we've been focused on is we created a weekly employee listening session and a separate manager listening session where employees have an opportunity to ask the CEO anything, managers have an opportunity to ask me anything. And, and what that does is it just creates another communication mechanism for people where they can't just kind of stop by my office and easily ask me those kind of questions. In terms of community, we've created tons of events, whether it's 
Um, we've had um, yoga events for employees online. We've had scavenger hunts for employees online. But what we've also done is made, had some optional get-together in, in Central Park for anyone who'd like to participate um, events as well, where, you know, five, six, ten people will get together in a socially distanced way. And no one feels pressure to have to attend. But those people who feel comfortable attending, you know, can, um, can choose to attend. And what we're planning on doing when we get back to to being in person together is rather than having a typical headquarters where all 100 employees are sitting together, we're actually going to do something very different, which is every other week we're going to get together for something called Meetup Day. And at Meetup Day, we're going to have free breakfast for employees, free lunch for employees, um, team uh, all-hands meeting for everyone. And we're going to, even though we're not going to be in our headquarters all the time because there's a reason for, because people still are reluctant to get back into the office, we still want to create a sense of community and relationship building between people because ultimately when people have deep relationships, they're also better at what they do and they're better in their jobs. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and today we're talking with Meetup.com CEO David Siegel. Now, culture has always been something that's been near and dear to your heart, uh, and I also want to make a note for our listeners that you you write a blog, don't you? Uh, I, I have I've, I've written quite a, quite a few articles and been published uh, in Harvard Business Review and Slow Management Review and a number and Forbes and a number of other places. But it's it's an irregular blog, shall we say? An irregular blog. But you started out in HR. I did. I did. I did. Tell us so. about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not, unfortunately, as common to uh, have a CEO that started off really as a human resources partner. Um, I loved psychology when I was an undergraduate um, in in, in the University of Pennsylvania. And I love all my psych classes, but I also love consulting. And I became enamored with um, Stephen Covey and Dale Carnegie and all books related to motivation and management of people and Peter Drucker and all the kind of management stages of Jim Collins through the years. And um, I, I decided that I wanted to work in human resource consulting, specifically around merger and acquisition integration. So after a company is acquired, how do you build culture? Um, how do you build organizational structure? Those kinds of things. And I worked as an HR partner, and I still remember the things I focused on as an HR partner when I was 22 years old were how do you recruit top talent, how do you uh, manage employees effectively? How do you develop people? How do you train people? How do you coach people? And it's kind of a lot of what I do as a CEO, what most CEOs are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be building great talent, motivating managers, effectively manage your employee teams, build culture. And probably the job that's most similar to a CEO job is actually a, a, a human resources person. But yet, most people tend to come from product or technology or sales when they move up to become a CEO. So I've been very fortunate from that perspective. So, David, it's great uh, hearing about somebody coming out of HR, becoming a CEO, and your interest in culture, which some people call the soft stuff, which uh, you and I both know is really the glue that makes an organization work. I am curious, have you had... In your past, did you have a, a very important uh, person who was a mentor for you and helped navigate your early days? Yeah, I would probably contribute greater value and importance to the mentors that I've had than 
any cap- personal capability of mine. And that's not me being like humble and modest kind of uh, without reason. It, they, they've literally changed my life. Um, whether it was the first job that I had right out of school, um, I was a consultant and I had two mentors, Ed Goldstein and Sam Marcus, and they had both had one 25 years of experience, one 20 years of experience, and they saw something in me, which I definitely did not see in myself, and they encouraged me to go on all client meetings with them. They encouraged me to present at client meetings. They, they encouraged me to take a lead in, in sales meetings and in and presenting kind of advice the people who are 20, 30 years my senior, and they just pushed me beyond more than I ever could have been pushed myself. And, I'll, and, and the decision to become a CEO was also a direct result of a mentorship. My, my first job in a company was a company called DoubleClick, which at the time was one of the hottest flying internet companies um, in the world. Um, it was the backbone of kind of internet advertising. And I had, a, I had a mentor there who ultimately became the CEO. His name is David Rosenblatt. And he was so such an incredible leader that even though I was his human resources partner at the time, I said to myself, I want to become a CEO and a leader like him. He then became the CEO of DoubleClick, and I decided to go back to Warden for Business School um, to learn some of the other skills around finance, marketing, etc. So profoundly impact, impactful in my entire life. And they just made the time for me. And I also made the time myself and was proactive to make that mentorship relationship work. Because it's not just about the mentor, but the mentee needs to take that relationship and build the relationship, not just wait for the mentor to to um, to ultimately make it a success. We're going to have to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about that. When we come back, we'll be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, Meetup CEO, uh, David Siegel. We're talking about community and today's epidemic of loneliness. Remember, you can take the Mentors Radio Show with you anywhere by subscribing to our podcast at thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with today's guest mentor, Meetup.com CEO, David Siegel. We're talking about the epidemic of loneliness, community, and a little bit about uh, the culture, the culture he's created over at Meetup. So now, as we move forward, you've got an interesting career. You actually got uh, achieved some pretty high-level positions early in your career. Uh, tell us a, very quickly a little bit about your career uh, and the things you did and how you ended up at uh, Meetup. <laughs> you know, well, career is a zigzag, right? It's, it's not necessarily right. supposed to be one linear direction. And the, the zigger the zag, the more, frankly, that you can learn from different experiences and bring them ultimately to you know, where you ultimately are. And it's important for people when they think about their careers, not to just think about upward trajectories, but be willing to take steps back, steps sideways, and even steps down um, in order to get to where they ultimately, you know, want to want to be. So um, I've worked in human resources. I've worked in marketing. 
I worked in, I ran mergers and acquisitions for a company called 1-800-Flowers and acquired a couple of companies there. So principally a finance, a finance function. But I always, my goal was always to run a company. And the main reason, frankly, was because I believe so passionately in the impact of culture in an organization. And the best way to impact a culture is to really be the leader of the company to help to build kind of cultural processes and, and the culture that enables um, employees ultimately thrive and succeed. So I, I worked in many different types of companies, from Dwayne Reed, which is a large pharmacy chain that was acquired by Walgreens for three years, to One Hand of Flowers, which is a e-commerce business for five years, to Everyday Health, which is a publisher for three years. And I was the president of a company called Seeking Alpha, and then the CEO of another company called Investopedia. Before we work, called me up and asked me if I wanted to become the first non-founder CEO of Meetup. And because I believe in the mission so greatly and, and mission was so important to me, I decided to take that job a couple of years ago. And WeWork has had its uh, time in the bucket too with COVID. Has that had any impact on your ability to operate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, WeWork was in the news just to such an incredible degree. Unfortunately, it did present a significant distraction by our employee population. In reality, it didn't change our world day to day because we were um, really, uh, it was just our parent company. And, and, but because WeWork was in the news every day, frequently not in necessarily the most favorable, favorable light, um, it did cause a lot of employees to be worried and concerned. And then finally, when we went up for sale and WeWork divested us, Employees were generally very, very happy, um, predominantly because of just the halo impact of kind of the WeWork brand and what happened. And, and, and obviously, the, the pandemic and working from home is not great for WeWork's business model. Uh, yeah. But my hope certainly is that they will weather the storm and they have, you know, some strong new leadership in place um, uh, to, to enable that. Um, and co-working could end up be taking a different form. Um, and uh, than it did in the past, but still be very important to companies, especially companies that don't have kind of main headquarters anymore. Well, we were using co-working for board meetings and different things, and of course we've had to reshuffle our deck too for my company. Uh, and for mm -hmm. those that are listening, this is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio dot the Mentors Radio Show, and today we're talking with Meetup.com CEO David Siegel. So uh, one of the th when you're talking about all those uh, zigs and zags, it brings to mind a show that our uh, listeners may want to go back and listen to with Rich Carlgard talking about late bloomers and that tapestry of experiences uh, that really uh, create the foundation for people to bloom. They don't necessarily and shouldn't bloom when they're 22, but it's really a, uh, a path to success for their own, uh, to take advantage of their own gifts. Uh, DoubleClick, I just wanted to mention, one of the things that was interesting for me is I learned that DoubleClick uh, produced 50 CEOs. Uh, so you really got into a great training ground, it sounds like. Yeah, it's um, so, so when uh, I speak to DoubleClick CEO, who's the CEO prior to my mentor, Dave Rosemary, his name is Kevin Ryan, and I asked him what he's most proud of. He said that there's actually now over, I think now actually it's over 200 CEOs of companies have come from the early days of DoubleClick. And just to tie it up in a nice little circle, I met Kevin Ryan in 1998, a year out of college when I was 23 years old, 22 years ago. And he's also been a mentor for me through these 22 years. And he is the person who I called up to ultimately acquire Meetup 
out of WeWork, and he is now the chairman of of um, Meetup, and the chairman of the board, and the person and the largest investor in our company, and the person who helped to acquire us out of WeWork. To tell you how kind of the world works in in, in wonderful ways. Yeah, fascinating story. What do you think your gifts and talents are? <laughs> um, I I don't believe. I've always believed that there are people that are smarter than me, um, many people that are smarter than me, and also many people that actually work harder than me. I think I do two things pretty well. The first is I happen to be um, very organized, and, I, and I'm obsessed with kind of time efficiency and thinking about how I try to use my time in ways that are as productive as possible to help the company, and, and, and that would probably be one. Um, the second area, aside from being very organized, is I really believe in the power of relationships. Um, it's a 22-year relationship that ended up kind of really saving Meetup from out of WeWork. And time and time again, I go back to relationships that I built through the years and, and hiring new leaders of companies and potentially getting new opportunities and positions. Where it became a, a, a professor at Columbia came through a relationship. And the most important thing for me is to try to help people. And I find that you help people... At some point in a five years, 10 years, 15 years, people also want to help you. And I would say just really focus on trying to do everything I can to help people. It's such an easy thing to do, uh, and it's a reward in itself, and, and it becomes rewarding later on. And, and, and relationship building to me is so key. So we have uh, one minute to the next uh, break. And real quick, can you tell me uh, what the uh, – Fundamental principles that you live by? Fundamental principle. I mean, it probably comes from, from the Bible, and, and ultimately, um, as someone who's uh, a religious Jew, um, you know, do unto others the way that you want done to you. Um, just be the, 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 just trying to always treat people the way that you would want to be treated, and, or the way that they would want to be treated. And if you just follow that principle throughout life, you're going to end up having a, quite a fulfilling life and a happy life at that. And it's not just true personally, it's really true professionally. Great people, good people end up succeeding in business and people that cut shortcuts and do the wrong things and lack integrity, it ultimately comes back to bite them. We're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, meetup.com CEO, David Siegel. And we're talking about community and today's epidemic of loneliness and also some things you can learn from David that can help you on your own career path and in life. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we are with our guest mentor today, Meetup.com CEO David Siegel. Uh, we have, uh, this is the last segment. we got a few things I want to get through. Number one, you, and I know we had talked about this earlier, what's, your, uh, what's one book that you would recommend to people that they must read? Must read, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was written close to 100 years ago, uh, but it is as relevant now as, as ever, and it's required reading for my Columbia Entrepreneurship course. Well, that is a good endorsement. And 
when you think about your life, how do you unplug? Exercise. Exercise is really important. It's a stress reduction, um, and it also gives you energy. I think one of the best investments of time is exercising in the morning, whether it's running, biking, whatever, swimming, whatever it takes for someone to do. And throughout the, the rest of the day, it pays you dividends. Um, and God willing, you're also able to live a longer life for it. So I would say do things that um, can give you greater energy. And for me, that's exercise. And tell me a little bit about your parents. What role did they play in your success? Everything. I mean, I, I in that, even in a joking way, literally uh, every single element of who I am, both biologically from a DNA perspective and environmentally, because I was in their environment for the first 18 years of my life, um, came from my parents. Every decision that I made is a result of the types of parenting that my parents did. So my father was a neurologist. He unfortunately passed away about six years ago. My mom is a psychologist. So as I used to say, we had the brain covered, you know, um, you know quite well. Um, and they were loving parents. They had an incredible relationship between each other. And um, I think my relationship with my wife and my focus on family um, is a direct result of, of, of my parents, their focus on trying to do well by community and to live a life as, as meaningful as possible. Um, 100% comes everything from my parents because even if I made decisions later on or met other people later on, it's ultimately a result of the teachings and the learnings that I had in my first 18 years of life. And what is it that, at the end of the day, you want out of life? Hmm. Um, I would like to make, I mean, it sounds so trite, I'm sorry to say, it's embarrassing, but you're only on this world for 80, if you're lucky, more than that years. And if you can interact with people and make their days better, and make their lives better, I so fundamentally believe in the butterfly effect that if, if I have an employee in my company and I made that employee's life better, that employee, when they're able to come home when after COVID, comes home as a better father, as a better mother, as a better sibling, as a better parent, as a better child. And if you're able to um, make other people's lives better in as many interactions as possible, then those people will then be positive examples for all those people that they interact with as well. And that's my life mission. That's great. What And what is the best advice that you ignored? <laughs> the best advice that I ignored, the best advice that I ignored was don't focus on the money. The money will come if you follow what your passion is. And too often at times I took a little bit of extra money for a job and it worked out fine but I would have been in a better place had I followed my passions as opposed to just following where I can make $10,000 or $15,000 more money. And uh, you've met a lot of people along the way in all different age group. Those people that you found to be the happiest, what is the thread that connects all of them? Wow. The thread that connects the people that are happiest are people who could be their authentic selves. Oftentimes, people need to put up a front, and either they are embarrassed about who they really are, um, they're worried that society doesn't accept who they are as a person, their spouse, their parents, their children, 
and have to pretend to be someone that they're not. If someone's able to truly be their authentic self at work and at home and not be a different person at work than at home, but their authentic self, that their strengths and their weaknesses, that they're usually happy. When people have to fake who they are, that, that ultimately is one of the most depressing things in the world. And with the time we've spent together, you certainly sound as if you're one of those people who believes that people can write their own script for their life. Is that something you talk about at all? Yeah, I think that too often people let life control them rather than controlling their lives. Let decisions happen to them rather than having agency and making those decisions. There are people that have inertia and that they're worried about making a decision. What they don't realize is that by not making a decision, that's a decision in itself that oftentimes comes back to bite them because they end up in situations rather than proactively putting themselves in situations. And oftentimes the happiest people are ones that understand that they can take complete control, not complete control, you can never have complete control, of course, but you you can have significant impact on your future path um, versus just seeing what happens and letting other people make those decisions. So I absolutely believe, I'm actually working on a book right now, but kind of the title, working title of the book is, is called Luck is Hard Work, with the concept being that you end up getting very lucky if you work hard at it, but you have to work hard at it. Well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed your insights. Thanks a lot for your time. We've been talking with Meetup.com CEO David Siegel about the challenges he has faced with COVID-19, how they have changed their business model, the importance of community, and, of course, the other epidemic, the one of loneliness. Learn more about this and other shows by going to our website. When you're there, make it easy for yourself and subscribe to future shows. Remember, too, you can also listen to us online, any device, anytime at TheMentorsRadio.com or on any podcast platform. Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.